Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, my name is Joanna and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Alamos Gold First Quarter 2020 Results Conference Call and Webcast. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Jamie Porter, Alamos Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and thanks to everyone for attending Alamos' First Quarter 2020 Conference Call. In addition to myself, we have on the line today both John McCluskey, President and CEO, and Peter McPhail, Vice President and COO. We will be referring to a presentation during the conference call that is available through the webcast and on our website. I would also like to remind everyone that our presentation will be followed by a Q&A session. As we will be making forward-looking statements during this call, please refer to the cautionary notes included in the presentation, news release, and MD&A, as well as the risk factors set out in our annual information form. Technical information in this presentation has been reviewed and approved by Chris Boswick, our Vice President of Technical Services and a qualified person. Also, please bear in mind that all of the dollar amounts mentioned in this conference call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. Now, I'll pass it over to John to provide you with an overview. Thank you, Jamie. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the call. We had a number of highlights to start the year in what has been a very challenging environment with the COVID-19 crisis. We had a strong first quarter from operations, while also making good progress on our growth initiatives at Young Davidson and Island Gold, which we expect will be transformative for the company. We produced 110,800 ounces of gold, exceeding the top end of our first quarter guidance, with particularly strong performances at Island Gold and Mulatto's. Consolidated total cash cash costs of $759 per ounce, and all-in sustaining costs, of $1,010 per ounce. We're both at the low end of our original annual guidance. Moving to slide four, our foremost priority has and will continue to be the health and safety of our employees, their families, and our local communities. We are fortunate to not have any confirmed cases of COVID-19 at any of our operations or offices, but that has not stopped us from taking action to help prevent the potential spread of the virus. Throughout March, we instituted a number of increasingly strict health and safety protocols across the company. These range from medical screening for all personnel prior to site entry to social distancing practices across our operations. On March 25th, we voluntarily placed Island Gold on temporary care and maintenance. In early April, we suspended operations at Mulatto's following the mandate by the Mexican government to suspend all non-essential businesses. In light of the temporary operational suspensions at Island Gold and Mulatto's, we withdrew 2020 guidance on April 2nd. These suspensions will impact our second quarter results, but not take away from our strong second half outlook. We expect to resume operations at Island Gold in early May, and will do so safely in a staged manner. We're also positioned to resume operations at Mulatto's once the government suspension is lifted. Our strong outlook is detailed on slide five. In terms of our growth initiatives, 
The phase three expansion study at Island Gold continues to progress, and we expect to announce those results mid-year. Given the significant growth of the deposit over the past few years, we expect this study will showcase Island Gold as a bigger and very profitable long-life operation. At Young Davidson, the lower mine expansion is in the final stages, having commenced the tie-in of the upper and lower mines in February. We recently completed several critical path items, including the installation of the crusher, and connected the upper and lower portions of the north, north gate shaft <clears throat> through the removal of the rock pentis. We continue to make good progress, albeit at a slightly slower pace, given some labor and productivity limitations related to the COVID-19 precautionary measures we put in place. We now expect the lower mine expansion to be completed in early July of this year, a slight delay from previous guidance of June. The completion of this expansion will be a big driver of strong company-wide free cash flow in the second half of 2020. I will now turn the call over to our CFO, Jamie Porter, to review our financial performance in the quarter and our strong financial positioning. Over to you, Jamie. Thank you, John. Moving on to slide six, uh, we sold a total of 111,900 ounces of gold at a realized price of $1,582 per ounce, driving strong first quarter revenues of $177 million. Total cash costs of $759 per ounce and all in sustaining costs of $1,010 per ounce were both at the lower end of our original guidance. In addition to strong operational performances from both Island Gold and Mulattoes, our costs are benefiting from both the weaker Canadian dollar and the weaker Mexican peso. At Island Gold, our total cash cost decreased to a multi-year low of $452 per ounce. On top of a solid quarter operationally, Island Gold's cost benefited from the repurchase of a 3% NSR royalty in March for $55 million. The royalty was payable on the majority of reserves and resources at Island Gold, and its repurchase has reduced costs by approximately $45 per ounce, and reduced the effective royalty on reserves to approximately 2.2% from 4.4% previously. We also received terrific news from the Ontario government that Island Gold was accepted into the Northern Industrial Electrical Rebate or NEAR program during the quarter, which is expected to reduce electricity costs by approximately 20% going forward. With the strong performance on costs, Island Gold generated an impressive 20 million of mine site free cash flow in the first quarter. Operating cash flow before changes in non-cash working capital was a near record 82 million or 21 cents per share in the first quarter. Our reported net loss of 12 million or 3 cents per share included unrealized foreign exchange losses of 42 million, largely within deferred taxes that resulted from the significant movements in foreign exchange rates in the quarter. Excluding these items, our adjusted net earnings were 29 million or 8 cents per share. Between higher revenues and lower operating costs, our adjusted net earnings nearly tripled from a year ago. Capital spending totaled $63 million in the first quarter, including $18 million of sustaining capital, $41 million of growth capital, and $5 million of capitalized exploration. The majority of the growth capital was focused on completing the lower mine expansion at Young Davidson, work on the tailings facilities at both Young Davidson and Island Gold, and other infrastructure projects at Island Gold. We were active under our share buyback program during the first quarter, repurchasing 1.1 million shares at an average price of 490 US per share, approximately 45% below our current share price. We also paid a quarterly dividend of 6 million in March, which represented a 50% increase from the previous quarter. In total, we returned 12 million to shareholders in the first quarter. 
We ended the quarter with cash of $215 million and $400 million of additional liquidity. This includes $100 million drawn on our $500 million revolving credit facility during the quarter to enhance our financial flexibility in light of COVID-19. We have no other debt. We have stress-tested our balance sheet under a range of scenarios, and in every case, we remain very well positioned. With the temporary shutdowns at Island Gold and Mulattoes and completion of the lower mine expansion at Young Davidson, we do expect to be free cash flow negative in the second quarter. However, we expect to transition to strong free cash flow growth starting in the third quarter of this year and beyond. With that, I'll turn the call over to our COO, Peter McPhail, to provide a, an overview of our operations. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Moving to slide seven, Young Davidson produced 28,700 ounces in the first quarter. As planned, this was down from previous quarters, reflecting lower tons mined and processed with the shutdown of the Northgate shaft in February to complete the tie-in of the upper and lower mines. Prior to the start of the tie-in, mining rates were consistent with those achieved in 2019 at 6,700 tons per day. This decreased as planned following the start of the tie-in in February and March to approximately 3,000 tons per day with ore trucked to surface from the upper mine. Total cash costs of $1,093 per ounce and mine site all-in sustaining costs of $1,242 per ounce, both increased from previous quarters due to the planned lower mining and processing rates during the tie-in. Costs are expected to temporarily increase in the second quarter until we complete the lower mine expansion. We expect costs to decrease significantly once we begin skipping ore from the lower mine infrastructure in July. Over to slide eight, Young Davidson has continued to operate under strict health and safety protocols. As John noted, we have not had any confirmed cases of COVID-19 among any of our employees or contractors, and we have implemented a number of measures to help keep it that way. These measures include medical screening before entry to site and physical distancing practices across our sites. To give you some perspective on some of those social distancing practices, we're now allowing only four people in the mine cage, whereas normally we would have about 12. These measures have resulted in some labor and productivity constraints. This has slightly slowed our progress with the lower mine expansion now expected to be completed in July. Despite these challenges, we've made significant progress on the lower mine expansion, completing several critical path items over the past few months, as illustrated on slide nine and 10. We completed the main ramp from the upper mine to the lower mine infrastructure. The 8940 level loading pocket is completed and ready for commissioning. The crusher is fully installed and ready for commissioning. Uh, Skips, ropes, and shaft bottom steel have been removed from the mid-shaft loading pocket. And finally, the penta separating the upper and lower portions of the Northgate shaft was drilled off, blasted, and removed earlier this month. During the second quarter, we're completing the 9025 level rock breaker station and coarse ore bins, installing the new ropes and skips, and finishing the 8930 loadout. This work is all expected to be completed in July, following which we expect mining rates to ramp up to 7,500 tons per day by the end of 2020. This will drive production higher and cost significantly lower in the second half of this year. Over to slide 11, Island Gold produced 38,800 ounces during the first quarter, up 9% from the first quarter of 2019, despite suspending operations in the last week of March. Even with the downtime, underground mining rates increased to average a new record of 1,240 tons per day, 14% higher than the first quarter of 2019, and above our guidance range of 1,200 ton tons per day. Build throughput also increased to average a new record of 1,164 tons per day for the quarter, with grades processed averaging 11.7 grams per ton. Total cash costs of 
$452 per ounce and mine site all and sustaining costs of $670 per ounce were both better than the original guidance, reflecting the strong operational performance and inclusion of the near electrical rebate. Island Gold has been on temporary care maintenance since the last week of March. We made the decision to suspend operations given the unique setup of the operation with half of its workforce being fly in, fly out and housed at a camp located directly within the local community. We're planning a phased restart of the operation in early May under strict health and safety protocols. The phase three expansion study of Island Gold continues with the results expected to be completed mid-year. Given the substantial growth of the deposit over the last several years, including the 920,000 ounce increase in mineral reserves and resources that we announced in February, we expect this will be a positive study showing Island Gold as a bigger, longer life and more profitable operation. Slide 12, uh, Mulatto's had a strong porter, producing 42,600 ounces, a total cash cost of $812 per ounce, and mine site all-in sustaining costs of $958 per ounce. Production was 10% higher than the first quarter of 2019, driven by higher grades and tons stacked on the pad. Grade stacked averaged 1.25 grams per ton, a 20, 28% increase from a year ago, reflecting new production from the higher grade Sir Pallone deposit. Operations at Malatos were suspended on April 2nd in response to the Mexican government mandate to suspend all non-essential businesses. The suspension has been extended to May 31st with the possibility of listing restrictions on May 18th in regions that have seen little to no impact. To date, we have not had any confirmed cases at Malatos nor in the surrounding region. While mining and stacking activities were suspended in early April, we continue to recover gold from the leach pad given the strong inventory of ounces stacked in the first quarter. We are well positioned to restart mining, crushing and stacking ore when the government mandate suspension is lifted. With respect to La Yaqui Grande, the project design and economics are being finalized and we expect to make a construction decision later this year. Given its high grades relative to the main Mulatos pit, we expect Layaki Grande will be a significant driver of lower costs at Mulatos once in production. With that, I'll turn the call back to John. All right, thank you, Peter. Um, thanks everyone for listening. That concludes our formal presentation. I'll now turn the call over to our operator to open the calls for your questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. Should you wish to withdraw your request, please press star followed by two. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Dalton Barreto from Canaccord. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, congratulations on an excellent quarter. Um, my first question is around Island Gold. Uh, maybe John or Peter, can you t explain to me what a phased restart would look like? Um, I'm happy to. Do you want to go ahead? Go ahead, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to take that. Yeah, thanks, Dalton. So, uh, we're starting up. Uh, our phased restart is first week day shift only, local employees, people from the community. Uh, we'll then go to day and night shift again with local employees. And then we'll start bringing in uh, people from outside. Uh, we've changed. We used to have the camp right in the middle of town. Um, there's, that camp is still there, but we've added to that uh, you know, through last year and just commissioned 
uh, a camp closer into the mine site. So we'll be using that predominantly, although we probably still need to use the other one. So over the course of about a month, we'll be up to uh, full speed. Perfect, that's helpful. And then just maybe sticking with island goals. So the study, the expansion study is almost done. Any chance we can get a sneak peek around the parameters in terms of sizing, shaft versus ramp, that sort of thing? Sure. I mean, we. I think it's. Yeah, we've stated before. Uh, you know, we're looking at you know higher production rates, obviously, than than 1,200 tons per day where we're currently permitted. Um, we're looking at ramp and shaft. Uh, we're looking at uh, several options. Uh, you know, uh, it, but it wouldn't be surprising to see us looking at a, either a ramp or a shaft option in around the 15, 1,600 ton per day range. Um, and maybe shaft and loan options sneaking a bit higher than that. So that's kind of where we're looking right now. Okay, perfect. And then just maybe one more for me, then I'll jump back in queue. And I apologize if I missed this in your disclosure, but have you guys looked at locking in the current exchange rates and diesel prices, particularly in Mexico? Yeah, Dalton, it's, it's Jamie. Um, we, we do. We're, we're fairly active uh, on our currency hedging program. So we, uh, we we put some hedging in place at the start of the year, and, and, and we're continuing to do so now to take advantage of the uh, uh, certainly the, the weakness in both the Canadian dollar and the Mexican peso. Uh, as of now, we've got about two-thirds of our uh, Canadian dollar exposure for the remainder of the year hedged, uh, between about 70, 72 and a half and 76 cents. And we've got about 80% of our Mexican peso exposure hedged between 19 and 22. We are adding um, to our hedge positions currently, uh, more so in Mexico, where we're seeing um, you know, collar ranges of, of between uh, 22 and, and, and 32. So there, there's good opportunities now to uh, you know to lock in very uh, uh, very low uh, currency prices. Great, that's helpful, guys. Thanks. I'll jump back in queue. Thank you. The next question comes from Mike Parkin from National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Thanks, and congrats on the good quarter. A uh, couple questions for me. Uh, with regards to Malatos, where are we at with the power line? Is that in sight and connected, or is that still further upside in terms of cost reductions to come? Yeah, Mike, Peter. Uh, no, it's not. It's not connected yet. It's it's actively being worked on. Uh, it it should be connected uh, later this year, probably in the third quarter. It will be, you know, barring unforeseen COVID restrictions. And and uh, we've seen the the phenomenal drop in cost because of the the cap on the royalty. What would this, in in addition, uh, drop cost? Mike, it's it's Jamie. It's about an, another thirty dollars an ounce. Super. Um, and then with YD, your lower mine connection gets done. What's that do in terms of staffing for the mine? Do you need to add more people? I remember it's quite heavily automated compared to the mid-level loading pocket. Do you have more than sufficient staff on the books now, or would you actually be hiring a few in the third quarter? No, we're pretty uh, pretty static with the staff. Uh, or the you know demanding levels between you know the upper mine at 6,700 tons a day and the and the lower mine ramping up to 7,500 tons a day by the end of the year, uh, it is more automated. So it it uh, um, you know you, you get more bang for your buck there. 
Yeah, super. That's it from me, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. The next question comes from Cosmos Chu from CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, thanks, John, Jamie, and Peter. Um, maybe first off, just a quick one here. At uh, Island Gold, could you remind me what uh, percentage of the workforce is actually local uh, versus fly-in, fly-out? It's about uh, it's about half and half. Half and half. Okay. Um, and then uh, and then you know maybe Peter as well. Um, in Mexico here, clearly, you know, a restart is dependent on you know the Mexican government giving the okay maybe as soon as May 18th. Um, but could you talk about you know is it you know potentially going to be a staged approach in terms of the restart as well? And if if it is, then then what are the different stages? Yeah, I think once we get the goal, we'll we would be able to come back uh, full steam ahead. If it was a staged approach, you know, we have a we have a contingency there where we could, you know, we have quite a stockpile of that uh, sulfitic material, the SAS, that's slightly lower recovery but higher grade. So we could certainly dip into that and 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 just crush SAS and put it on the on the on the leach pad with, you know, significantly lower numbers on site. So that's that's in our back pocket if we need it. Mm -hmm. Great. And then uh, at YD, you know, as you mentioned, at the end of, you know, Q1, um, you know, the throughput went down to about 3,000 tons per day. You know, as you connect the lower mine or as you, can, you know, continue to work on the lower mine, um, you know, now trucking or up the ramps. Um, is that sort of the throughput that we should be expecting once again in Q2? Yeah, I think we had guided 2,500 tons a day, so we so we exceeded that in yep. in in, uh, in Q1. You know, we're we're continuing to try to exceed that. So, I mean, we've okay. established that that's what we can do, and we'll we'll try to keep it there. Yeah, that that was my you know other question as well, Peter, in terms of how were you able to exceed you know your expectations in Q1, and and as you mentioned, can you continue that into Q2? <laughs> Good operators. <laughs> All right. Um, and then maybe uh, one last question here, you know, bigger picture, you know, with gold hitting 1700 bucks an ounce. And uh, I haven't seen that for a while now. But uh, on the other hand, with, you know, COVID-19 restrictions, you know, has that changed how you look at capital allocation? Clearly, you know, John, you were active on the share buybacks in the past quarter and you have, you know, Island Gold, you know, the expansion study coming in. You have, you know, the potential here at Layaki Grande. You know, bigger picture, has that changed or has it not, and, and how do you look at it? Well, it hasn't changed substantially as far as our um, our, our current uh, capital expenditure plans are concerned. We're, we're well positioned, as you know, from a, a balance sheet perspective to continue with what we're doing. So, you know, we have the, we have the option if we want, for example, to, um, to pick our pace as far as the pre-strip at Layaki Grande is concerned. So we can approach that a little more aggressively with uh, with higher gold prices in view, and, and and of course we're going to be generating pretty strong free cash flow in the second half of the year uh, as um, Young Davidson comes on uh, full steam from the uh, the lower mine infrastructure. So I really don't I don't see us uh, backing off on our current schedule. It's nice to know that if if something unexpected happens, we we have the option to uh, to do that. But we're not, uh, you know, we're we're not planning. We weren't planning any capital ex expenditures that we uh, we couldn't 
afford to do and 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 our our financial situation actually looks very strong so we're in a good position to um to keep going mhm i guess on the other hand john would you speed it up because you know the other factor is that we're hitting you know fairly high you know good numbers in terms of the commodity itself you know has that has that, has that changed your plans well, and and you know roping in even like lynn lake and some of the other assets as well well we're 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 going at um a, a very good pace at Lynn Lake right now and you know if we thought that the uh, that the gold price movement was uh, was merely a blip i i guess what you would do is you'd push everything as hard as you could to take advantage of the uh of the gold price uh we don't believe it's a blip we we think these higher prices are are going to be around for um a, a number of years ahead and and we think that the um that the production that we have coming online as we bring on new assets will will benefit from higher gold prices. Great. Thank you. Those are all the questions I have. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Cosmos. Thank you. The next question comes from Carrie Smith from Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks, Operator. Uh, maybe Jamie can answer this question. Just on the hedging, I know you've got just right around 61,000 ounces hedged this year in those in those callers, do you have the flexibility under that uh, that hedging program to deliver all your production into the hedge whenever the gold price is below 1709 an ounce, or are you mandated to deliver a certain number of ounces every month, let's say, and you can't deliver any more despite what the gold price may or may not be? Carrie, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, we, we do have some flexibility in terms of being able to to roll those contracts or or, or move them uh, move them forward. But the majority of those contracts are spread out, kind of on, on a monthly basis. So uh, you know, over the over the next six or seven months, it's uh, I think about around eight thousand ounces a month. The the hedge book had no impact on our realized gold price, as, as you would have seen. You know, we came in uh, within a dollar of, of the London PM fix in, in the first quarter. And uh, we're right at the kind of top end of, of, of those callers currently, uh, but we are, as I say, we're delivering into them <clears throat> on a monthly basis. So there'll be, uh, you know, that exposure is pretty limited now, uh, and uh, any any additions to, to the hedge book are at obviously substantially higher, uh, substantially higher rates. And and is there a plan then, Jamie, to to add to that hedge book over the course of time, let's say into 2021 today, or what is the thought process? Yeah, so our policy is that we can do up to 20% of, uh, you know, our, our, our plan kind of steady state production of around 500,000 ounces. So that's, so that's 100,000 ounces total, only 12 months out. And uh, we're not we're not increasing that limit. We're not extending that beyond the 12 months, just given the, uh, you know, the positive momentum in the gold price. We, we, we think it's uh, prudent to be, be conservative here. So uh, we're doing some short-term uh, additional callers. I think we just added some with the 1600 floor and the 1950 ceiling. Uh, but we're, yeah, like I say, we're we're, uh, we're taking a fairly conservative approach. Okay, and then maybe Peter, just on Malatos, the grade in Q1 was quite a bit better than I expected, and I presume the grade at the main pit must have been better than you were budgeting because I can't imagine that Pallone delivered that, that big bump and grade all by itself or how, how did you get that better grade? Well, Pallone did deliver a big bump and grade. We we were mining, you know, multiple grams per ton there uh, of oxide and putting it on the pad. So it was, it was really good stuff. The, the main pit 
you know, did well as, as well, I think was maybe a bit higher than, than, than planned. Okay. So, so the grade at Pallone was quite a bit better than, than perhaps you were expecting. Mm, no, we were expecting to be high in, in the first quarter. Uh, and, and it, it, it came in around where we, we expected it actually in the first quarter. We, we were, you know, we expected production to be a bit higher in the first quarter at Mulatos than the, in the first half and the second half. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks. That's all my questions. Thank you. The next question is a follow-up from Dalton Barreto at Canaccord. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks again. Um, I just wanted to ask one question on Turkey. Uh, John, just you know, given the fiscal situation in Turkey now and you know, just restrictions you know, on COVID-19 and large gatherings and that sort of stuff, has that in any way kind of improved your odds of renewing the mining concession in the near term? I, I, I would say it's, in, it's definitely improved uh, our, our odds if you want, but uh, I, I'm not expecting... Um, anything imminent, uh, certainly not before the end of Ramadan. And, you know, the situation in Turkey, you've got to watch the, the politics as much as anything else. And um, right now, the, the government is facing pressures from multiple sides. But the, the, the real key one is is the economy. And uh, just like you've seen in um, in many countries, unemployment, which already was, was suffering in Turkey, uh, Turkey went into a recession uh, two quarters ago. Um, the unemployment rate has has uh, has soared, and in the region where we are, it's uh, in excess of 25%. So this is um, this is something that's going to obviously weigh very heavily on um, on uh, the government and and e- and even the local um, even the, the local party. I, I, the the government is isn't really um, Sort of controlling the local mayorships, and they only have half the MPs from that region. So the CHP is is fairly prominent in the Chinakali region. They can't really afford to uh, stand very strongly in opposition for in opposition to investment and employment. You know, regardless of what you know, maybe one element of that party might think. By and large, the CHP party is very supportive of mining and has been since the very beginning of uh, of Turkey. So I, I I do see things uh, shaping up well for us, um, just because of you know economic pressures, and there's also been a, a very strong shift in sentiment um, due to the fact that this whole crisis was essentially um, precipitated by a, a social media campaign that was just all, all standing on a foundation of lies. There's not a single thing they were alleging that was true. So you can get away with that for so long, um, and but eventually, you know, given enough time and, and effort, and we've certainly been putting in the effort, um, you can start to make people question uh, those initial assertions when they have to stare the facts in the face. So while the um, the people that are opposed to that project still try to um, still try to um, push the uh, the old allegations, by and large. Uh, People in general know that they're not true. So um, it's it's only those that are um, just opposed to the mine, no matter what the case may be. Um, those are the ones that remain uh, sort of strongly in opposition. And I would say there's been a huge sh- shift in sentiment uh, as far as the sort of the general public is concerned. And it's also important to note that we've al- always had very strong 
support from the local communities who were aware from the very start that um, that what was being said about the project just fundamentally wasn't true. Another thing to point out is that um, there were two additional uh, court challenges brought against the project over the last year. The last one was uh, dealt with in in January. Um, we, we didn't think it had a snowball's chance in, in hell, but nevertheless, uh, it, it got a hearing and, and they were unsuccessful again. So the court has has repeatedly upheld the uh, the project and the uh, all, all the permits uh, which were being attacked in the in the court case, all the permits were upheld and uh, and justified by the court. So I, I would say, from a whole variety of perspectives, the the, the project is is looking uh, lo- looking very likely to get re- renewed. And, and I don't think the alternative is is one that the, uh, the the government could really afford. And that would be um, them just going ahead and, and seizing the project and then forcing us into some sort of international arbitration where we would undoubtedly win. Um, I just don't think that is what Turkey wants to do. It it, it really needs to encourage foreign investment. It's it's very low on U.S. dollars right now. They can't really count on... uh, They can't really count on... what they typically get in the in the spring and the summer is a, a big tourist trade, and it brings a lot of foreign currency into Turkey. That's probably not going to happen in 2020, and that means, uh, particularly in a region like Chinakli, which is really relying on tourism uh, quite heavily, um, it, it's going to mean projects like ours take on much more importance. So I would say that I don't. I hate to go on too much about Turkey, but um, and, and I, I I do know that it's getting virtually no value in our in our share price but if you look at it just in terms of those facts you you can see that uh, our our position is really quite good and you know the government has always supported the project and um, they're just waiting for a an opportunity where it's going to um, face as little opposition as as possible to um, to to bring the, the project back uh, at, at this stage, it looks very good. I think another important thing to point out is there are no protesters left at the site. There was a, a, a very small group, a small but vocal group, sort of um, maintaining a vigil at that site for the last number of months. But that site has uh, been completely cleared now, and the forestry department is in the process of actually planting that area with trees and fencing it off. So I, I just don't think there's going to be any any... Uh, further scope um, during this whole COVID-19 crisis. I don't think there's going to be any further scope for that uh, to um, to continue to bother us. Now that's very comprehensive and helpful. Thanks, John. So if I can ask a follow-up then, and this is kind of related to what Cosmos was asking earlier on the uh, capital allocation side. If, you know, if we assume that the mining concessions are renewed in the next few months, let's say, would you guys have the appetite to take on Karazli, you know, the Island Gold Phase Three and Layaki Grande all at the same time? John, John, I can I can touch on that just just sure. quickly. And, and Dalton, I think you know our our strategy in terms of capital allocation hasn't changed over the last three years. It's been, you know, once we start generating that that meaningful free cash flow that uh, that we'll start seeing in the second half of this year, a third of it will go to further bolstering our balance sheets, so building up our cash balance. A third will go to returning capital to shareholders, which we've, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing with the share buybacks and, and, and the dividends. 
and a third will go to our internal uh, project development pipeline. So that's La Yaki Grande. I mean, if you look at, at current prices and at our planned production for next year, Young Davidson and Island Gold will will generate well north of you know 200 million US uh, between the two of them. Mulattos will uh, generate enough free cash flow to support construction of La Yaki Grande uh, and, and then some. So so we'll net of all the investment in La Yaki Grande will we'll still be generating uh, uh, free cash. So I think there's room to if we wanted to go ahead with uh, with Karazli, Advanced Lynn Lake. Uh, while building La Yaki Grande, there's there's room to do that within our one third, one third, one third uh, uh, plan. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see that as uh, as being an issue at all. And with respect to the phase three expansion of Island Gold, we'd be looking at about 18 to 24 months of permitting before we'd start spending any any significant capital on that. So that doesn't uh, there, there's no real cash outflow associated with that for the uh, for the next couple of years. Perfect. That's all for me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. This concludes this morning's call. If you have any further questions that have not been answered, please feel free to contact Mr. Scott Parsons at 416-368-9932, extension 5439. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.